All right, M.A., it's dedication time. What would you like to dedicate this episode to, or what? Miss Andy Moore. All right. One of my BFFs. <laughs> how long, for how long? Uh, God, five years? Five, five years? Yeah. All right, here's to Andy. <laughs> All right, we're back on the show, and like I mentioned before, um, also on YouTube, Kyle Nick on Film, if you want to check it out. Uh, two movie reviews a week, and I'll put the link down below. Today we have... M.A. Dorfler. Dorfler. I like it. Is that how you say it right? Right. Dorfler. Dorfler. It's yeah. German. And you, you're one of the few guests I've had that actually have done voiceover. Yes, I have, yeah. So you're really close. You're really comfortable having the microphone really close to you. I am. Although I usually yeah. have a pop filter and I don't have a pop filter right now, but that's okay. I, I, it's hard to do pop filters because I can't see you. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> I, for many, I was like, are you done talking? I can't. Wait. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been doing voiceovers if you want to start that way? Yeah. Uh, I started about three years ago uh, doing voiceovers. Started uh, actually with training at the School of Voiceover. Okay. There's actually a real legitimate school and that's what it's called. At schoolofvoiceover.com, if I can make a plug. Yeah. But yeah, um, they, uh, the two that, two that run it, they're a couple, and they have both been in the business for decades, both of them. Doing so. like commercials and mm -hmm. other stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so. so they really know what they're talking about. They also have a part of their website where they can teach you how to make a very, very inexpensive studio in your home for doing voiceover. You don't have to buy the fancy microphone. You can get get a decent one for a hundred to two hundred fifty bucks. And yeah, spoiler: these aren't the most expensive microphones we're working on. Okay, but they work. They're effective. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think a lot of things. I, my my dad's favorite saying: if you can make, if you can be really good working with crap, <laughs> imagine how good you are when you get top of the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. So voiceover is it? Have you done it before? Have you done before the classes? Or do you no. take classes and then seek out? Well, I, I I should amend that. I actually did a film where I did voiceover. Uh, I had been in a, a previous film of this director, Alison Gasso, yeah. and she... Um, Alison, yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> she um, had me in uh, her film 911 as a featured extra. Uh, I actually kind of set up the whole movie, which was kind of fun. And then she invited me to do voiceover on another film that she had starring Amanda Day um, called What Marilyn Didn't Know. And I did uh, a customer service voiceover, voiceover phone conversation. When was that? When That was pretty recent, wasn't it? That was about four years ago, three or four years ago. You get older in the day. I, until, that's, I know. that's still recent for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then prior to doing the voiceover stuff, you were doing... Film acting. Yes. And that's where so you kind of started. Right? I actually, well, I started doing theater when I was in school, uh, in grade school, and yeah. I did theater all the way up through college. So that's where my, my background training is. But then uh, I kind of got lost in the corporate world for a couple of decades. And you had to do the adults. Yeah, had to be an adult. Right? Had to be an adult, yeah. yeah. And then um, 
got into film classes, acting classes um, about eight, nine years ago. And then I, I found out what a rich, vibrant film industry we have here in Minneapolis. So right. um, started doing films, student films, commercials. Uh, you still comfortable doing commercials? It's a kind of a weird kind of a jungle, isn't it? It's, it is, yeah. You not really can prepare for it. It's almost like you get on set and you're like, "This is what you need to do." Right? Yeah, you know. yeah, and and a lot of times the the actually the trend right now is for everything to be very conversational and very real. They don't want the here's our product and this is why it's so great. And yeah. they want they want it to be conversational, like I'm talking to you right now. You know, this is our great product, and this is what it does, and this is this is why I'm. Yeah, well, I think podcasts is the reason. Yeah, I've been podcasting since 2009, and I've I've told everybody this is the new way of advertising. You get person. I've had my friends who run Allo Brewery, my closest friends, and I go, "Well, what do you want me to do? Just be yourself and talk about, hey, I own Allo Brewery, but you almost get a personal rapport with somebody." Mm-hmm. Before they even get to your place. Yep. And I think that's the evolutionary step for advertising. Now they want you to feel comfortable, almost like it's your friend before you start the merchandise, the consuming. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it started from podcasting. Yeah. Hmm. Just kind of, hey, just shoot it. You know, it's not a 30 second bit like this and this and this and this. (laughs) It's almost like like a personal relationship. Right. Yeah. So you with commercials and it's tough because it's, you get there and it's like, well, what do you want me to do? And they're like, just stand there, your mark. And it's not, yeah. So, yeah. And I also, I don't, I've never been part of a commercial set, but I kind of know that you have to be almost completely body ready. Like your everything, like your hands and because you might have to hold something. And if you got yucky hands, it's like, out you go or something like that. Yeah. I had a commercial I did with uh, Rudy Pavich, who uh, just recently quit as the producer for the KS95 morning show, but he does films uh, as well, yep. yep, and he just did one for Z Fest. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he won award, He won a couple of awards actually. Yeah, but uh, in doing a commercial for him, part of it was that I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> on the counter. It sounds easy, doesn't it? It yeah. sounds easy, but the thing is, is for for continuity's sake, I couldn't like just slather the peanut butter on and the jelly on. I had to like put small amounts on at a time so that when he did cuts it wouldn't look weird you know having different amounts on there different cuts and yeah i gotta make the waves remember yeah (laughs) make the waves in the peanut butter yeah so you have to make it almost artful like you you're selling that so you can't make it like right so it sounds it's it's sounds simple i think people hey i could do a commercial it sounds simple but yeah it's really not yeah and you think, well, for 30 seconds, it's probably an all-day thing to do. Yeah, and I, I did a, a commercial for a local dealership in um, Rochester. And it was a very, very warm day. And just trying to keep myself from looking like I was sweating like a pig <laughs> was just... <laughs> but yeah, that, that was an all-day shoot for a 30-second commercial. Yeah, uh, we just had Johnny Struckmeyer here um, yesterday. Well, in his episode will be coming up, um, but he talked about how he does films. He, he's a cinematographer for commercials, and it's almost like you have to be five seconds ready, or mm-hmm. they don't give you a lot of prep time. Like, all right, light the room now, or it should have been lit like two hours ago. So it's mm-hmm. almost. I think if you work commercials as an actress or as an actor, it's going to help you 
kind of just be impulsive, like, okay, got to do it. I'm on, ready, set. Yeah. And that and that actually kind of reminds me too of uh, the 48 hour film project because that that was actually oh, yeah. the first film set I was on was for a 48. Can you because um, we have a lot of listeners who are kind of out state and out world. Do you yeah. want to describe what 48 hour is? So that is a film project where you have 48 hours to do a film, a five to seven minute film, uh, start to finish from concept to post. Yeah. So you have uh, you draw a genre out of a hat on Friday night, and then you have until Sunday night to get the film in. Right. So, and you can assemble your crew. You can assemble the crew and the cast ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, but you cannot pre-produce anything. Um, no, no scripting. No on location. No, you can't even do B-roll. You have to absolutely do everything within those forty-eight hours. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a it's a huge challenge, and it's like boot camp. But it helps you learn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Then I think it helps. And a lot of people explained to me it helped them learn, even though they went to film school. It helps you mm-hmm. to be on set. Okay, this is what we need to do, and what you need to prepare for. You can make a movie, but. How much roll of tape do you need? <laughs> you need to. Well, and, and being that that was my first film set experience, I think that really helped me to understand that you do not get in the crew's way as 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 talent. You don't, you know, distract people when you're on set. You when you're not doing something, you're off to the side and you're quiet. You know. Yeah, and, and you're ready. It's hard. It's one yeah. of the most deceiving things about making a movie is it's really super boring. <laughs> yes. And it's really easy to check your brain out. Yeah. Because you have to set up the room and that's going to take a couple hours. And then you're yep. like, that's ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Ever G. Robinson said, you're not paying me to act. You're paying me to stay. <laughs> 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 the acting and I've, is the easiest I've had, part for him. Right? I've had times where I my call time was eight a.m. and I didn't actually get on camera until eight hours later. Yeah. So it's my it's my little thing I I do with my when I direct a movie I say I want you there at nine, but it's reality I want you there at ten because mm-hmm. if you get there at nine fifteen I'm sorry really it's all that's, good that's what I. And I think I'll make it public, but I think it helps everybody. Oh, yeah. I think if you say 9 a.m., then people are like, okay, okay, because I really want you there at 10. And then my other little trick is I say, well, we'll be here till about 9 o'clock at night, but I'm thinking we'll stay to about 8. So if we even go a little bit over 8, people are like, well, we made it. Yeah, we did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always go an hour before I want you, and then I lie that we're going to stay an hour than I really want. Because, you know, if you say we're staying at 2, two, two a.m. and then we leave in at 1, are you going to feel bad? Right. No. no. So, right. But if you say we're going to leave, stay in at 1 and then people stay till 2, then they kind of get, it's that psychological thing I like to use. Yeah. So, even and, and, though... It, and, and for those that are, that are time-challenged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, it's always a, a good idea. And I, I, I typically, if, if I'm on a film set, I typically don't book anything else that day, that entire day. Oh, right. Yes. Um, I always tell people it's like um, working at a baseball game. Don't plan anything after a baseball game. You don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no clock to it. So right. it could be from four hours and or eight hours. And I, yeah. I, I used to work at the St. Saint, Saint Paul Saints. So I used to work there. Cool. And people are like, just come over and when the game's over. It's not going to work. It never does. <laughs> Well, that'd be like 10. No, we don't know. It's baseball. There's no clock. It'll take eight hours to six. We don't know. So. Yeah. But like films, I don't, yeah. If you you have a set schedule, you have an itinerary, but that's not, that's not the thing. 
you have to kind of work to make it right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what's the big, big difference between film and theater for you? Oh, boy. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much time do you have? Yeah. Um, so theater is um, a v- you have to be very big mm-hmm. in your motions and your facial expressions and your voice. particularly your voice you have to be able to project so that the people in the back can hear you know a lot of times these days they're miking the actors now but um but back when i was doing it we didn't have that so yeah you had to out yeah you had to project out so that uh people in nosebleeds could could hear what you were saying or singing or whatever so and we have to people way back there have to know you're devastated so you have to like fall to the ground yes yeah and then as far as film goes, the camera can be anywhere. The camera can be super close. It can be far away. But um, regardless, you don't have to be big because the camera is going to catch everything. Yeah. And even micro expressions are going to be caught by the camera. So if yeah. you and that and this is a, a big um, complaint for a lot of people with some act, some of the actors today is that you can tell that they're acting. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if if they're if you don't if you don't have if you're not in character down to the, your micro expressions on your face, people are gonna tell it's that my, that you're acting. My favorite thing from Burt Reynolds talked about when he met Spencer Tracy, and he's like, "I, you're, I'm a big fan. I, I want to be an actor." And he's like, "Don't make sure they don't catch you doing it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So you want, do you want to go back to theater? Are you still working on it? Or are you just primarily just with the film? Uh, well, I actually uh, wanted to stick with film mainly because uh, I had a son eight years ago and wanted to be able to spend time with the family and take yeah. care of him and everything while he was young. And now that he's a little bit older, I probably could go back into theater, but I just love film so much. Yeah. That and and I'm busy enough with it with that and voiceover that I just I think I'll just stick with that. I mean, if an opportunity comes up and I'm not booked for anything else, I might I might do it. But there's a lot of time involved with doing theater. Yeah, and, the, and not nearly as much with doing film. I think it's the pre-production, the rehearsing. The rehearsals. The, all that stuff. Is, yep. yep. And then the run of the show. And it's it's specific times. Whereas film, you can do your prep in your own time. And, and sometimes yep. you get rehearsal time. Sometimes you don't. And a lot of times you don't because the director wants it to be an organic scene. Something an organic that performance. needs it, right, yeah. yeah. So... Um, so you have to do your prep on your own time, which, you know, you can fit into your schedule whenever you want. Yeah. And, um, as long as you get to a place where you're happy with the character, the director's happy with the character, yeah. then, then it's all good. So, uh, is there other things you've been other, t- uh, with film, other things you've been doing? Like, do, do you do crews? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Small um, film community. It's not, you're not just one job. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, you kind of get thrown in into crew a lot of times just so that you can get on set experience. But um, I actually was able to get a micro grant to 
take classes through NYU Tisch for TV film industry essentials. So I'm in the middle of working on that. I will have a capstone project for that. Cool. Which I will have to make my own film for that and do the whole thing. Um, But I'm also uh, cast in a film that is filming right now uh, through a collaborative group called Collective Magic. And we're doing a, a, the film is called The Tapestry We Weave. Ah, yes. I've heard this. I, I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I play kind of a, a gypsy mystic kind of a character. Um, kind of a, a, a story um, through line. Making, okay, so making you're like sure that you're almost the thread of yeah, the tapestry. There yeah, the, the thread of the ta- I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm stealing it for for when I put my next promo up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could do that. Right, you could put it in your resume. I was the thread in the. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then I'm also part of another uh, collaborative group called Grid Source, although we might be changing the name here. Um, where the whole reason for the group to be together is to just get production experience. Yeah. And so for the most part, I'm the only, well, actually I am the only actor that, that they have in the group. Um, but we're doing all our own writing, all of our own shooting, all of our own um, nice. crew. You need every, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's my hands-on experience that's kind of going hand in hand with the um, classes that I'm taking. But then I also work for a producer in L.A. who's giving me virtual production experience. Um, I'm helping with administrating her company as well as her school. So they have classes that they do, but they also are producing films and podcasts. and. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. If you're really good, you're really busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you going to do the costuming for the gypsy? Have you thinking about it? I, that's kind of we crucial, we are we already have it set. Um, it's okay. it's actually kind of a mishmash of some Renaissance Festival costumes I had and um, another kind of uh, um, hippie kind of a dress that I that I had kind as well. Both of them, right? Yeah. So it's it's, it's very layered. There's scarves and yeah. Is that got to be comfortable <laughs> to do? Be part of that. Were you part of the process of making the costume? Yes. So that's going to be helpful for you, yeah, especially if you could do the Actually, all, all of the clothing that I'm wearing are my own pieces. So even better. Yeah. Even better. I don't, yeah. I think that's I think that's most of the most fun when somebody, like, you're going to get a role, but they're like, can I pick the costume? Can I help? And I'm like, yes. I would love the actor to be part of the idea of helping costuming. Yep. Because you're going to be one wearing it. So we want to feel like. Yeah. And that's that's part of the collaborative part of this group is that they wanted they wanted the the actors to be involved in in their own costumes and, yeah. and helping with the nuances of their own characters and things like that. But the, there's actually a humongous group so that there are several people in each department. And so that no one person is stuck with doing a ton of work yeah. and um so it's it's a very very much a collaboration. Yeah. So yeah. Jack Nichols has said, "Let the clothes do the work." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let the clothes do the work. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's a lot different acting and acting in costume. Right. Yeah. I just saw I saw Richard Grant. Um, he was doing the older version of Loki. 
Oh. And he's, he's, he mentioned, he put it on Twitter, he's like, my, my, my dad, when I was a teenager, said, do you really want to be in makeup and tights all your life? And he would have got a cackle out of what I'm wearing at age 64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings me to the next part of acting is because makeup. Oh, yes. And that's got to be something you have to be really acclimated to, like something you have to get comfortable with. This is makeup. Absolutely. Especially in an indie market like Minneapolis. Um, independent film uh, you have to as an actor you have to be prepared to do your own makeup if if there's not going to be a makeup artist on set Yeah. and a lot of times that's what happens because a makeup artist is actually a very large expense and most of the budgets just don't have the money I mean most of the time they're not paying the actors anyway yeah Right. And they don't have the money to pay for for a makeup artist, but that you know you have to have a DP, you have to have a grip, you have to have you know there are things that you have to have on set, and um, unfortunately, a makeup artist is one of the ones that tends to get left out because because actors like me do know at least some tricks of how to do your own makeup, um, but I still think that. Um, Having a makeup artist on set is a necessity. I do too. I do. I would. I would never remove it out of budget because you're investing so much time in preparing the role. Exactly. Want to make you look right for it. And I almost. It's hard to think it's not a necessity. I actually do. You want everybody. Everybody wants to be comfortable with how they look in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And a cinematographer wants you to look really good. I mean, he wants everybody wants to have their increments. Yes. And right, you don't want. It's hard to like where can we cut? But if you want to make a movie, you really can't remove that right or sound or gaffing or anything it's all encompassing yeah so if you want to cut cut yourself yeah <laughs> cut yourself as a director so that's usually where or something like yeah because it's a collective grouping it's, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't remove one thing it's gonna you can, it's obvious to see yeah, yeah. and I, I i mean yes as an actor i i do have some some tricks that i have learned over the years but um there's always you know, things that I don't know about makeup that, you know, aren't going to make me look right in, in front of the camera for that part. So that's that's where the makeup artist comes in because they they do know all that stuff. So usually when I'm the director and I have the makeup artist, all of a sudden stills of other films. So like, how about this, this and this? And they're like, oh, that helps. OK, so not exactly, but this is kind of the area we're thinking. Or if you really want to go, if we're going to go wild with like foundations and stuff like that or cake or something like that. I've even seen makeup artists that will do drawings of maybe special effects makeup that um, that they they might want to to try out and they'll submit them to the director and the director would say, you know, yay or nay. Um, Although the the last one I heard about that on, he was just flabbergasted by all the... The stuff he's like, let's do it all. <laughs> so, well, I think if anybody's out there wants to make a small independent movie, I think you need months and months of preparation. Absolutely, and just get ready for because things are gonna. There's gonna be mistakes, and there's gonna be things that are like, oh, we, that you can't handle, like weather or something like that. So you just mm-hmm. want to be fully prepared. Like, what happens? The weather's like this. Well, we'll do it this way. What if it's like that? So. Especially with sound. If sound goes bad, then everything's just kind of... So that's the other key you really want to pay attention to is sound. So get it yes. Sound 
editor or sound recorder too because mm-hmm. that's another thing people skip out on. Ah, we'll just fix it in editing. That's not. Not yeah, really I've 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 seen the results of of some of those types of productions, commercial and film, and um, it, it's it's darn near, near unwashable because you can't, yeah, you can't understand what they're saying or it's really echoey, which is really distracting, and yeah. And there's one there's a movie on I think you can find it on YouTube. It's Christopher Plummer and Karen Black, and it's a murder mystery called Picks P Y X. It's a simple murder from the late seventies. But they didn't have a gaffer, and it's hard to watch because it's like, where the hell is everybody? I can't see oh, anything, man. and a lot of it's at night too. <laughs> so they, everything is great. They got two good actresses, but they didn't get somebody to light the place. Oh, jeez. So it's like, oh, don't <laughs> skip on the gaffer. Don't do that. Yeah. Or like um, Blood Simple with the Coen brothers, one of their first movies, they hired a gaffer that never had experience at all. So it doesn't really look right, but it looks grimy, but it works for the movie. So it's well, a, you know, it's one of those happy accidents. So. Yes, yes. I, I actually am fortunate enough to have some some of my own lighting equipment. I have, oh, you do? yeah. I set up a studio in my house uh, in April of 2020 and started doing self tapes and voiceover there. I have a sound isolation booth. My microphone is a Yeti Nano, um, hundred bucks. But it's still perfectly like perfectly, this. yeah, yep. perfect, perfectly good quality. I've I've been doing not only auditions but jobs on that microphone. Um, and I have backdrops, and I, I have a shotgun mic. Also, if I so if anybody's if I looking it. for a spokesperson, <laughs> yeah, I am available. <laughs> we'll put your email down below, and then we can find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and actually, now that uh, now the pandemic has kind of slowed down, um, I'm willing to have people rent out my studio if they want. Nice. So, very small fee. I haven't completely decided on on what the fees are going to be yet, but. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, we're going to take a little break and back with more with MA. When we came back into Rome, I got a message from one of my sales girls here in the office saying, oh, Sal, we need to talk to you. Yeah, at that point in time, I had no idea what was in store. Oh, shit. I think there's an issue. The entire amount has been pulled out of our accounts. This is Fool Me Twice. This is a podcast about diamonds. My mum and I were approached by a woman in Hong Kong who owns a diamond business and had a pretty compelling story to tell. This podcast follows that story and attempts to unravel some of the shadier aspects of the diamond industry as a whole. The feedback from him was that she is a very smart woman. She is conniving and very good at getting away with these sort of things. Diamonds are the ultimate status symbol. Trust is such a centerpiece of human society. You can find Fool Me Twice, all about diamonds, on Ozcast Network and all podcast platforms. All right, we're back with Ma. Uh, talking a little bit off camera. So, are you comfortable doing the 
just the recording auditions? And because this now the evolutionary step, people setting tapes rather than going to the auditions. Yes, actually, I took a lot of the pandemic and used that to watch videos with uh, casting directors and people that have done a lot of self tapes and um, acting coaches and just getting as much information as I could. And I used a lot of that information in setting up my studio so that I could do self tapes and, and my self tapes actually not to toot my own horn, but I think they look really good. Well, it's, it's a learning process. I think it is. casting and doing auditions and learning how to do it right is an essential key. I mean, some people can do it really well and it doesn't really translate good to the movie. You know, sometimes you could pre- be really good at practicing, but then it doesn't really mm-hmm. translate very well. Mm-hmm. But I think you can, you can always see something you do an audition really well that not right for this movie, but they'll bank it in their brain and maybe for the next project. Right. And that's, that's what a lot of newbie actors don't understand. I think is that, yeah, you, you, yeah, you might not get this, get the job that this audition was for, but if you impress the director or the casting director, they'll keep you in mind for future projects because they always have something going (laughs) And, and even if they don't write then and there, they may come up with a project and say, oh, wait, I saw an audition from so-and-so that they, they'd be perfect for this role. Let's have them them come in and read. Yeah. So I think a lot of people think I, it needs to be home run. I need to do it spot on and everything. But I think if you just come knowing that maybe pay off some other way, you know what they say, one out of ten. Usually is the the number one out of ten you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So you're going to hear no nine, you know nine out of ten, you know, a lot a lot of no's. And I, I oh, told yeah. my niece when she was auditioning, don't get comfortable hearing no. Just understand it; it's going to come a lot. Right. So, yeah. So because there's so many so many things out there. Yeah. And and they're now that casting directors are having self tape be the primary way of auditioning they're seeing a lot more people than they used to for a role. So the competition just got that much higher. So you have, you have to make sure that your game is on. Well, I think even kids younger are far more comfortable doing it that way. than Actually going in person. Yep. I think it's a little bit reverse for us. Yeah. (laughs) I think us, we're usually going, you're comfortable going in person, waiting in line. Yes. No waiting table, but kids already know how to film themselves before they even go to first grade mm-hmm. i know my wife's first assignment is like make a video and tell me all of your thing about yourself and that's the first thing that gets done and on time they know how to do it yeah so yeah my my son is eight he wants his own youtube channel <laughs> we're not so, quite there yet so it's it's yeah it's i think they are far more acclimated to do the self audio taping they know yes. how to light it themselves they know what they need mm-hmm. just from the nature of the things and where I think people like our age, that's something they're going to have to maybe listen to the younger people. How do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Cause I think how you even light your self audition is crucial where you could put the camera is even so it understands that, you know, this is a movie. And there are places too, that you can go to get advice on self tape. Like uh, we audition.com is a site that I'm on. It's $10 a month. If you want to be a reader. Um, otherwise it's free to just have a profile on there. Um, but they have people that, um, they call them all readers, but, but you can book somebody to just get advice, um, whether it's on self tape or a specific aspect of acting or, 
and and there's people on there that that do film, people that do theater, people that do both, people that you know are experts in Meisner, experts in Stanislavski. You know, you can go on there and find a reader that will that you can talk to about damn near anything. Do they provide like the sides for you to do, or you just no? Usually, yourself? usually, um, if if I'm doing. Um, if, if I need a reader, it's usually because I have a script where I need oh, to do an audition. Okay. And you can either use their platform to record uh, if you have a, a good enough webcam to be able to do that. Otherwise, uh, what I usually do is I use my cell phone and I have my cell phone set up so that it'll record me, but you can still hear the reader f- through the screen yeah. on the computer. So. I think the next crucial element, especially for actors and actors, is you have to get comfortable how you look on film. Yes. You have to get used to it. I know a lot of people, I don't want to watch it, but you're going to have to get used to how you look. You have to critique yourself. Not too harshly, but you have to critique yourself to get comfortable watching yourself, too. Yeah, we're, we're our own worst enemies, I think, when <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, I, I did a, an audition for the Twin Cities Actors Expo that we just had, and um, I nailed it. I know I nailed it. I know you said me mentioned but, you yeah, 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 but 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 still, all the way home, I was I was nitpicking, going, "Well, I should have done this. Oh, I should have made that choice. You know, now that I think about it, you know, this would have been better. Maybe I should have rehearsed more." I, I was picking myself apart in my head, even though I know I nailed it. Yeah. You know, and and that's very typical of, of actors to do. Uh, right, um, yeah. And I had to keep telling myself, no, you did fine. Just let it go because that's that's all you can do at that point. I think the famous one is Mike Nichols said he when he did Birdcage, he would have to um, after filming listen to about three hours of the phone call from Nathan Lane, like oh, I ruined it. I did this. Can we do? Can we go back and do this? And he almost like Nathan. You're fine. You're damn near going to get an award for this. <laughs> you really think so? I don't think so. I'm ruining it all. And so you like every day he would call like, oh, it's, I did terrible. <laughs> so it's even funny that even somebody who probably won an Academy Award for the role, it, it still goes with you like, I didn't do it right. Can we go back tomorrow? Yep. I want to do this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you don't you don't get that chance in the audition to, to do it again, usually. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, that's that's one of the worst things you can do is ask him, can I do it again? That is, yeah. Um, the famous one Bad is uh, Reese Witherspoon sent an audition to Marty Scorsese for Cape Fear. And he's like, I'm putting this nicely. That is the worst one I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. And she's like, <sighs> and she goes, I, she hated him. But she goes, that I appreciate it now because I took a lot of audition classes after that. I didn't know the crucial element of auditioning. I just worked on acting. But then it's a different discipline of knowing how to do audition. It, it's almost a different skill set. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to. You explain it better. Yeah, yeah. It's a different <laughs> tool in your toolbox, as I said. Right, yeah. right. But but like they were saying at the at the Actors Expo, auditioning is your job. Get it? Getting the getting the role is just gravy. But your auditioning is your job. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not auditioning. Um, that's my one thing I always say. If you're not auditioning, you're not an actor. Right. If you're waiting tables, saying you're an actress, <laughs> but you're just waiting tables. Right. You have to go to the auditions. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, it's kind of a, it's, it is kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. It's a surreal thing. Like you're dressed for all these parts and people kind of dress like you. It's really super weird. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost super uncomfortable. But it, yeah, if it really works well, it is 
it's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a huge rush for me. Yeah. Lots yeah. of adrenaline. So uh, with the process of, it's almost what we're trying to get at, it's a constant muscle that you have to keep working. Absolutely. Yeah. Use it or lose it. <laughs> <laughs> no lie. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so over the last year and a half, because of quarantine and, and COVID, I've been doing mostly self-tapes. I finally got an in-person audition where everybody had to be vaccinated in order to even get in the door. Okay. Which is perfectly fine. I still had to wear a mask until I actually got in front of the camera and then I could take it off. And I bombed that thing because I was in person. I was out of practice of being in person in an audition. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, there were so many things that I should have done that I normally would have done had I been doing auditioning in person, but it didn't occur to me because I hadn't been thinking about it in that way for a year and a half, Right? you know? It's just the more, yeah, I have to keep doing it. Yeah. You have to not get comfortable hearing no, but you have to get used to that. Not really use it, just understand it's going to come. Right. When it's you know. and it's a different skill to audition in person as to a versus auditioning as in a self tape because yeah. Oh, yeah. in in a self tape you can do as many takes as you want, although I wouldn't recommend more than like 3. But um, Right. You know, cuz if, if you don't buy have it by 3 then Yeah. Yeah. You you might might as well just say, well, maybe this isn't a, for me. Yeah. Uh but uh but when when you're in person, you've got one shot. You've got mm-hmm. one shot. Are you going to pursue other things about film, like writing or directing? Or uh, I, I wouldn't mind directing, um, although my heart is really in front of the camera. Okay. I, I would really prefer to be in front of the camera than behind. Yeah. So. I think it's, for people that's actors and then they direct, it's, it's I think, for actors like that, because they understand they could almost communicate telepathically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and then but it's that urgency like gosh i just want to be in front i know what i want i just want to be in front yeah yeah and and in that way i can i can understand the the directors that are starring in the film because right. <laughs> then they know they're getting exactly what they want <laughs> my favorite director is uh saying is john waters i'm just a huge fan and i love hiring the fans of i'm a fan of and they get to perform right in front of me. I get a front row seat. Nice. That's why I like to be a director. I like Johnny Depp, so I'll put him. I'm a fan of Johnny Depp, so I get to see him in my movie. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. And he's another one like show off the talents. I like that. Just show off your talents. You're really good. Yeah. Sing, sing. Yeah. So, so writing? No, not for you. My my mom is actually a writer, okay. um, but she's she's more of a novelist, um, ah, okay. and and um, she's written several women's like christian women's books um although that was when i was younger she's more teaching now yeah usually writing and teaching kind of goes hand in hand but but i i I can proofread a script like nobody's business (laughs) well i think that's the actor's nature because you're constantly reading scripts Mm -hmm. you're reading reading and you're translating what the page is telling you well, I that and and when, one of the there's nothing that will take you out of a scene faster than a misspelled word or weird punctuation that doesn't fit or cliche. Yeah, like lazy cliche. Like, oh come on, we've seen that before. Yeah, 
then give me something new I, yeah, that's my yeah, that's my criticism. What yeah. am I seeing new that I've never seen before? Right. Well, you're seeing the same story. You're always seeing this. This is the same story. Just how you telling it or what's new about it? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about John Landis. He's like, you can write a movie about vampires. Well, what's the rules about vampires? And then you start <laughs> spitting out the rules, and he's like, vampires don't exist. Make up your own rules. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what is new? And I always, um, I talked about this with Johnny Struckmeyer. What is new? What's the exaggeration? Mm-hmm. At least one little exaggeration. What if it's a character? Right. Costuming. Environment. Timothy Burton is, Tim Burton's really good at the exaggeration. He puts it in every, almost everything is an yeah. exaggeration. Even yeah. the story. And then what's new? Yeah. yeah. So what's new and all that? What's the, all, yeah. So do you watch, are you able to watch other movies? I am. <laughs> Well, a lot of people who are super busy and super in the world of film don't really have the opportunity chance to deflate and. Yeah, I actually, um, I, I will spend most of my day with while I'm going through casting notices, which is the majority of my day is is going through casting notices. Yeah. Um, but I'm usually watching TV while I'm doing it, and um. Granted, I've I've been able to figure out a way to split my focus and multitask like that, where I can still watch the performances on the screen while I'm looking through these these casting notices. But um, but I'm I'm actually working my way through uh, the Flash on Netflix right oh, now. So and I just saw there's there's uh, season seven is coming. He's my third favorite superhero. Awesome. Yeah. Um. I, I I had finished Arrow, but I didn't watch any of the crossover episodes. Yeah. So. Well, not really missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the. I mean, it. Oliver Queen. Yeah. Is Bruce Wayne meets Robin Hood. Yes. I mean, we're not who are you fooling? It yeah. Is, it's it's the mixture of both. He's super rich and he's Robin Hood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we like Green Arrow. And in, in the comic books, he's more of an ass than he is in the, the TV show. Oh, really? He is super jerk. <laughs> I don't know. If it's for some reason in the comic book world, if you're really good at archery, you're super jerky. Even like Hawkeye. There's just oh, wow. super jerks. <laughs> what, when, one criticism I have of that show, though, is that they, they need uh, different uh, fight coordinators. Right. The so, the fight scenes were just boring, and and yeah. you could you could tell that the actors were anticipating the punches and the moves and stuff, and it just was like if you can notice that, y- yeah, you yeah. can tell it's coordinated, and that's just boring to watch. Yeah, <laughs> a good fight scene is really. I mean, when you sit like, wow, yeah. The the yeah. flash is actually better, I, and I don't know if they have the same fight coordinator or not. But did you know the? Fight coordinator for Karate Kid was the referee. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So if you watch the movie, the referee was the fight coordinator. So if anybody got a little too carried away, <laughs> they would, he would be able to be, he's right on there. He's right there. Okay, stop. You're getting too too much. So, nice. And it helps to be, make him a little more safe. If you know, yeah. Like, and then if you need a coach, you don't like, cut, where are you? No, yeah. he's right there. Yeah. <laughs> right next to you. <laughs> right next to you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's another thing, if, especially for independent filmmakers, and that's something I learned, sadly I learned, but you, if you have a stunt, any kind of stunt in your movie, you need coordination. Absolutely. Just for actors to be comfortable with it mm-hmm. and everything. You need somebody 
trained to know what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're just going to fall, even if it's on a pillow or anything. Make sure we have it right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, e- even if there are just firearms on set, even if they're not used, having having somebody trained in firearms safety is imperative. Right. Even if you're using toy, toy stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't... my movie, we were having guns out in the woods, and I made sure the police knew we were doing it. Mm-hmm. I knew the... I, I pretty much wrote a letter to the city council, hey, we're, <laughs> we'll be in the public park, and we're mm-hmm. going to have guns and everything, costuming and everything, and everybody knew ahead of time. And nice enough that the police actually came to the parking lot just stopped to make sure. Nice. They were just there. But, yeah. Good that's deal. the other thing. If you do public, make sure everybody knows. Yes. Yeah. I mean... I don't know if you want to go get a permit, but just make sure it's on your radar. Hey, we're, we're playing with knives out here in the park today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Emmy, this is fun. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. I think if I think you're, you're more comfortable doing this than a lot of other people, actors and actors. Really? Because voiceover, it's tough. They're so used to the mic being away from them. Yeah. It's hard to like, get up in there. I don't mind getting up in there. <laughs> So I have to say, it's not over to the guests. Say it's over. It's over. me